Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example, and this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Welcome, everybody, to the session. Here we are, back at it, a Monday night. And, of course, uh, we're here with uh, another great brewery guest. But before I get to them, I want to thank our sponsor, More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com and get everything you need to make great beer at home. And, of course, when I say beer, I also mean cider and wine and root beer and coffee and kombucha and sake. I think they still have those little sake kits. I'm not actually entirely sure. Um, what else could you probably do? I don't know. You could probably ferment your own urine if you want. Who knows? If they, if they're, if you want an expert in aging your own urine, it's probably not going to be morebeer.com. However, it doesn't hurt to ask. So please send an email to info at more. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, morebeer brings you this show and every show uh, that we do here, basically, you know, since before day one. So thank you very much to them. All right. What's going on, everybody? We are here with BKS Artisan Ales in Brookside, Missouri. We are joined by... My notes are all fucking wiggy right now. Sorry, boys. Where did that everything go? My God. There. Yep. Okay, got it. Uh, we are joined by Alex and Brian from BKS Ales. What's going on, everybody? How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? Thank you for having us on. Not too bad. Yeah, thank you very much, man. Whenever my notes go south i get flustered man you'd think i'd be doing this a little bit longer and so i'd be like oh i can just roll with it i can't i'm not a roll with the punches guy i need like things it's yeah anyway it's incredible how bad i am but <laughs> that's okay oh uh, man uh but i got your beers and i'm excited about them they came uh, still a little cold 
which I was really happy about. I was sort of impressed oh, with that. Yeah, just a little tiny little hint of uh, of cold air on them. So uh, that was really cool. I got the glass. So we have six beers to taste plus a barley wine. I'm going to try to get to the barley wine. Um, we'll see if that happens. I'll do my best. We understand. <laughs> it's the winter time. Getting a lot of those. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys sitting in beer. That was that was really nice and, and taking the time. So you guys are near Kansas City, right? If I got my locations properly. Yes, we are. We are in the what's called Brookside neighborhood of of Kansas City. Okay. Uh, older neighborhood, um, kind of between uh, suburbs and downtown Kansas City area, and we are the only brewery. Uh, I would say about 45 blocks from where we are to downtown. So there's a pretty wide swath oh, between there with no craft breweries at all. Uh, and then just a little bit past us, as you go get further past us sort of the suburbs, you have, uh, there's one brewery, but uh, yeah, kind of, <laughs> uh, kind of a wasteland between us and downtown. I feel like that'll change in two months. Yeah, <laughs> just it, be... cha- it changes fast. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. 45 blocks. That's Wow. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good little wasteland to sort of be an oasis in. Yeah, we have a uh, the the neighborhood here. Um, you know, is kind of made up of uh, it's a mix of a uh, lot of different a lot of different folks that live here. But um, uh, everybody in this neighborhood, this is like the area where there's like one of the highest concentrations of craft beer drinkers. And I happen to live nine blocks away from the brewery, so. It's not um, bad. It's it's a it's a great thing for me. I can walk to work every day. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad at all, man. Um, do me a favor before we get too far into it. What does BKS stand for? Oh, it's it's an abbreviation for Brookside. Oh, okay, uh, Kansas City. So, like, if Damn. you're Easy. if you visit Kansas City and yeah. uh, you're in traffic and you see like one of those oval white uh, bumper stickers that says BKS on it, it's probably not our brewery. It's actually just means you live in the Brookside neighborhood. I think the homeowners association around here, uh, gives those away or passes them out. Yeah. 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 And so since every name's trademarked under, under the sun, when we were trying to open a brewery, I was like, Oh shit, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's a neighborhood. Yeah. How hard was that for you when you were, when you opened your brewery, Brian, was it, uh, was it, you know, as hard as, as that where you're like, God, I'm really struggling. I just, and then a lightning bolt out of the blue on some back of someone's car hit you. Yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, my wife and I had talked about opening a brewery for, for quite a while and wanted it to be in this neighborhood and, you know, went through a couple of different name schemes or ideas on it. A lot of them I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> but we would just get on the, uh, what's called the test system, uh, for the patent office for the United States. You can just type in any name and see if it's taken. It was just like, damn it. Every single time the name we'd come up with, it's already taken. And uh, fortunately, nobody, nobody had trademarked BKS, and uh, we thought it fit with our neighborhood and what we were trying to do and being part of this neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so now we, we have the trademark for it. <laughs> nice. How come that yeah. specific neighborhood? Was it just because that's where you were and it was close and yeah, accessible yeah, to you? Yeah, we moved, we moved here. I've been, in, I've been living in Kansas City since 2004, and then uh, we moved to this neighborhood uh, like '09, And so we've been here for quite a while. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, I just, uh, we have a lot of friends from around here, uh, a lot of great restaurants, bars. Uh, it's just a really cool, older style of neighborhood and it's got a lot of history here and um, it's, uh, it's, it's just the place we wanted to be. So we thought it's a perfect name for it. Nice. Absolutely. 
when, when did you open, uh, when did you open the brewery? Uh, we, we tried to open in 2016 okay. and, uh, with any brewery plan, you get into these, uh, these things with contracting and build out and licensing. Uh, it's not as bad as in California. I promise that, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it took us, it took us a year longer than we thought. So we ended up opening in October of 2017. And okay. we just came up on our four-year anniversary in October, this past October. Nice. And yep. uh, heading, into, heading into year five here. Wow. What a scary time to head into year five, man. Uh, but you're still plugging yeah. along. Yeah, we're, we're all right. We're, we're doing good. We're kind of uh, one of these breweries that's um, well-equipped to, to get through some of this pandemic stuff because we do everything on-premise here. We sell all of our cans to go. Um, we don't distribute. Oh, wow. Anything like that. So uh, we can pivot pretty quickly uh, from having a tasting room to um, just doing cans to go. And that's really what we did. And uh, we're well supported through it. So we were just kind of geared to to adapt to that, uh, whether we knew it or not. Was that the plan going in to to not distribute and just do everything uh, in house and kind of see what happens and then pandemic hits? And you're like, well, OK, we don't have to adjust it all, basically. Yeah. So. Our, uh, the thought when we opened this, so we're, we're a little bit bigger of a brewery than we were uh, when we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started with a three and a half barrel brew house and three fermenters oh, and just geez. me. Wow. And it was, uh, my, my man on was, a mission. Yeah. <laughs> man on a war. Oh, to, yeah, the yeah. mission to overwork his ass. Yeah. I was, I was just ignorant enough to, to not know that's <laughs> not the way to do it. And, Absolutely, uh, brother. But it gave us an opportunity to grow it organically the way we wanted to do it. And fortunately, okay. the building that we're in, we've been able to, um, every single year that we've been open, we've done a little bit of an expansion and taken on additional suite space in the building and grown it slowly and organically. Um, but yeah, we started it in, in 2017 with a three and a half barrel brew house, three fermenters. I think we have, uh, when those five fermenters show up today, we'll, we'll have about, I think, 25 fermenters uh six and a half barrel fermenters to three and a half barrel fermenters just a mix of them and then we have an oversized five barrel brew house uh that we can do up to eight barrel batches on and uh yeah so we we just kind of rolled with that out of the gates and um you know uh started slow and uh have just kind of been uh churning along ever since was that kind of growth expected or are you exceeding the you know what your business plan set up for does that make uh, sense? Because like three and a half barrels, it sort of sounds like, well, it's not one barrel. So we're, we're you know, I expect to sell beer, but I, I don't really know if I'm going to be selling a ton. So let's meet in the middle somewhere, start low and then and then see. It sounds like it sounds like that's what you would plan for. Yeah. So we when we started, we thought we would be, be open on a Saturday. <laughs> Our tasting room would only be open on a Saturday Wait. and we'd have some cans that we'd sell, sell to go. And uh the cans started just selling out very quickly and we started getting a bit of a following and the place would just be jam packed and we could not keep up with it at all because of course we're very small. Yeah. And, uh, it kind of got a little bit out of control because <laughs> we weren't being able to supply anything to our neighborhood and there wasn't really any room to sit when we first opened. And so, uh, we desperately needed to increase capacity uh, and also expand hours. So we had some accessibility, uh, to, uh, to the neighborhood to come in and drink some beers here every once in a while, wow. just being flooded all the time. So we, uh, we, we, uh, we had a suite we added in 2018 and then another suite that we added in 
uh, later that year, and then another bigger space in 2019. And then we just did a very big expansion uh, right at the start of pandemic. We were planning to do that either way, and that really um, doubled our capacity of where we were right at the start of pandemic. And uh, we're just finishing that up today, actually. And so we went from a place of brewing about 250 barrels uh, a year that was the pace we were probably on when it was just me, uh, mm-hmm. with a small brew house and a couple of fermenters to, uh, today, probably just shy of a thousand barrels. And, wow. uh, we've got, uh, Alex with us and I have two other full timers, uh, with us and, uh, my wife, Mary, uh, she handles like, uh, all of the financial and licensing and yeah, all, all the smart stuff. Absolutely. All the, all the stuff that keeps the glue together so we can just <laughs> make beer. Yeah. And that's, it's pretty much just a tight group. That's how we do everything here wow. and how we've totally. existed. That's rad, man. The, you know, to hear the, the community support where you were like, oh, we are way too big or you're, we're getting, we're, we need a bigger space is what I mean. And we're way too small, I guess is the opposite yeah. of what I said. Yeah. I think it, I, yeah, that's cool. You know, in a way it's kind of a fun thing to walk into, into a packed tasting room and, yeah. and see that kind of support, but also it's kind of a fun environment to interact with everybody. But I think it also can be somewhat off-putting to a lot of folks when they come in and they can't, you know, it's just packed all the time. And, um, you know, they're like, why is it only open one day? They don't, a lot of folks didn't understand what was going on. So, um, you were panicking, trying to to make it more accessible these days. For for sure. Were you homebrewing before you opened the brewery? I was, I was a home brewer for 10 years before, before opening. And, uh, listen to probably every single podcast, uh, on the session. Oh no. Down, down in, down in my basement. Don't so, do it. Uh, that's no, yeah. that's no good. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for years and, uh, started on a Mr. Mr. Beer kit, uh, making some pretty God awful stuff. Of course. And like almost everybody, it sounds like. And then, um, <laughs> went on to like doing the turkey fryer stuff in my backyard. And then oh, yeah. in the early days of uh, like uh, electric homebrew systems, you couldn't just buy one out of box. And um, so I started building my own one. Gosh, that was probably like 2012, 2013. Oh, okay. Electric system. Nice. Oh, yeah. Electricbrewery.com. Uh, yeah. That was my, my Bible to read how to do that. And so Excellent. I, I built one of those in my basement and really got into entering homebrew competitions and slowly started to uh, win quite a few medals and uh, do really well. And um, the idea sort of formed in my head of maybe this is something I could take a little bit further. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another and then here I am today. (laughs) (laughs) When you were, uh, when you were researching your, your, your original brewery size, you know, were you, were you thinking like three and a half barrels? We should, we should go five. Like, we're, you know what I mean? What, uh, what, yeah. what left you at three and a half? Well, I was scared to death to do bigger than that because okay. I was a home brewer and I, I had a, a 10, a 10 gallon system. Okay. And, uh, before we opened the brewery, I actually, uh, got a one barrel system in our basement and, uh, it was like a replica of what the three and a half barrel one was. So I could, smooth some of the learning curves, uh, mm. working out some of the recipes there, but that was as comfortable as I felt starting. And I knew if we could figure it out and do well with it, I could grow into, uh, some larger equipment and kind of do it the right way. And okay. that's kind of my thought process around it. Okay. So you knew, you knew you were, you had some room to grow and this was a learning oh, curve to kind of yeah, iron out. Okay. Yeah, All right. It was, it wasn't like too much of a shock. We're like, Oh my God, we have to get a new, a bigger thing. You sort of 
knew was going to yeah, happen. Maybe not that fast. Yeah. I, well, we Got knew it. that about three months in when we were running out of beer. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. three, three and a half is a hustle. Um, yeah, bro. Keep yeah. up with just a tasting room, much less even try to package anything. And uh, we were trying to do both. And yeah, um, it was it was crazy. Uh, we learned a lot along the way. And I think what uh, we were able to do on a smaller system, you know, we, we had some failures and uh, we had some really great successes uh, on that system that it gave us a, a, a good base and platform to uh, take it a step further uh, when we really did start producing what we think is a lot of beer, which is, you know, probably not very much still uh, at a thousand barrels. Hey, man, yeah. if, if it feels like a lot, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's all it you feels gotta, like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we we, uh, we we make it count, you know. There you go. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not how much you brew; it's how you distribute it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, or, or or not, I suppose. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, where does Alex come in? Alex, how did you get roped into this? Yeah, so uh, Brian and I uh, had met just you know through seeing each other and in. in uh, bars and uh breweries uh I, I i brewed at uh torn label brewing uh in kansas city down in the crossroads area so um you know we uh definitely had some beers together and shared our love for uh hoppy beverages uh, specifically and um and then uh right at a right before shutdown, like, uh, they offered me a job and I took it like right, right at shutdown. So, oh, nice. uh, it was, it was a crazy, crazy, uh, time to switch gears, but, uh, I think it was the right choice for, for all parties. And, uh, um, yeah, so I'm helping carry the load and, uh, yeah. Nice. That's cool, man. That's really cool. And how's it going there since law? I mean, well, you don't know anything pre lockdown, I suppose, but, uh, right. you know, it was definitely building that back up from, Oh shit. Yeah. It was definitely <laughs> super weird to like go from like working, uh, you know, on like a 15 barrel, uh, brew house, uh, at, like a distro brewery to then it's like, all right, everything's shut down. And I'm at this smaller brewery. And we're just like putting everything in cans and getting it out the door as fast as possible. <laughs> like it was definitely a shock uh, for everybody, you know, yeah. obviously the whole, the whole last couple of years have been uh, a whirlwind, but uh, it's been great. And, um, you know, I feel like we're really uh, hitting a stride, dialing a lot of, a lot of details in and we're in a good spot with this system and um, yeah, super stoked. That's cool, man. That's great. And uh, it sounds like community support couldn't be better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like everyone's loving yeah. it. Yeah, it's huge. Um, people have really uh, shown their support uh, to, all, to all, all the KC breweries. Uh, the whole KC beer community has, uh, there's been all kinds of, uh, you know, creative stuff that's been done to uh, to really help everybody out. Uh and, um, so yeah, that's been really cool to see. And, um, yeah, it's a small, but mighty, uh, beer community here. So that's great. That's yeah. cool, man. I like to, I like to hear that. Hi, Alice. Sorry. My kid decided to give me, um, <laughs> Hi, Alice. some Legos. So this is really important stuff. Uh, well, let's start, yeah. let's start with a beer. Yeah. Let's, crack let's a have beer. a beer. 
All what right. Are you, what are you going for? I don't know. Let me open my cool bag. Do we do we help you make a choice or? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I can start with the barley wine. Oh, that's <laughs> that's cool. smart and a <laughs> yeah. good representation of what your guys' yeah. beers are all about. Um, gotta, yeah, what do you re- what do you recommend? I would say I would say go with the Kolsch. Uh, oh man! Of gates on that, of course. That's a good a good starter, right? The uh, what is it, Meyer? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do it. I guess we should we should have one too. You guys want to get yeah, one? I think that's only appropriate. Yeah, we'll we'll follow your lead. Okay. Yeah, grab a Kolsch. <laughs> a Kolsch. Yeah, I always feel weird trying to say it like that. Such so you know, Americanize it. <laughs> Same. I, yeah, like I want to. You know, I want to sound cool and go Kolsch. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I just don't want to take the effort because it's just beer. It's not like it's someone's name right. and they're going to be offended. Like, well, actually, my name is pronounced this way. Oh, it's actually pronounced Todd. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> of course, I just spilled it on my computer. I had too much shit going on, man. Like months and months of being in here. Like I haven't rearranged anything in my studio. So cords are literally everywhere. And I just anyway, whatever. <sighs> All right. So tell me about Meyer, please. The uh, Cole style ale. Yes. Uh, so all of our, our classic or traditional styles of beer that we do are named after, um, I guess, streets or monuments around our neighborhood here. Um, when, when it's not, when it's more modern take or something, we just come up with some crazy name for, for beers or whatever. But uh, Meyer is a road uh, right near where our brewery is at. And there's this huge roundabout on the road that goes around that gigantic fountain that's on the label. And okay. so... I don't know. Meyer sounded German to me and uh, sure. we needed a name and that fountain's really cool. Um, <laughs> so we have, else uh, you want. yeah, we have a really, <laughs> man, uh, one of our, one nothing. of our friends is a really good artist and does the artwork for us. But uh, yeah, so this is a uh, 100% German malt, Weirman, uh Pilsner malt, uh, a blend of a couple of them. And then uh there is uh, Halitau Middlefru hops in the kettle with that, and then a little bit of Saphir. Both mm-hmm. Alex and I really like the uh, the Saphir hop. We're big fans of like uh, Firestone's Tivo Pills, which yeah, bro. Uh, features that. And so we try to we try to find a, a way to insert it into you know any place where it's proper. And so you get like yeah. a little bit of that lemony, um, mm-hmm. grassy, floral sort of nose. It's in there, nice crisp beer. Yeah, that new, I like new age, new age. Sounds like it's made with crystals. Um, <laughs> I like the sort of new hop approach to to these kinds of styles, Kolsch specifically. I don't know what it is, but that's a phenomenal beer. Thank that that Thanks, malt man. structure is, is, is complex and it can be, it's hard with a beer like this, you know, because they're so simple and yet yeah, hard totally. to do. Yeah, Alex, Alex brewed this one and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, as my as my job tends to be a little bit more now, I handle a lot of the cellaring tasks. So he he sets up a good base for sure. <laughs> oh, thanks, Brian. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, how how long have you been making Kolsch? Is it something that you're uh, familiar with? Uh, you know, we've kind of just been dipping our toes in it. Uh, I can't. Is this like the third or fourth batch yeah, we've done the, here? This would be the third. So batch. yeah, we're hmm. we uh. We're just like tweaking it, uh, checking it different out every time. And, um, yeah, we've got, uh, 
a nice thing going, I think. And I, I like the Saphir in it. It it, it tastes a yeah. little more like a Pilsner with that in there. But yeah, like it does. And it has I'm like a little. Complaining. No, but it's good in a good way, right? It's like yeah, it does yeah. sort of ride that line. I guess if you handed this to me and said like, oh, this is a German Pils, you'd be like, well, maybe it's not as bitter as a German Pils and it's a little, I don't know, more malty. But yeah, okay, sure. I would, you know, it could pass like that. But telling me it's a Kolsch, it has clear Kolsch, you know, characters to it. But it does have like a little, I say, but as in like, like here's the, now here's the negative, right? Uh, that's not <laughs> what I mean. It does have like a lemony and maybe I'm like keying in on this because this is not the first time I've said this in the last like month, but it, there is like a lemony character to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sort of elevates yeah, I think, it. I think that's the Saphir hops in it for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's kind of where for, for us, when we, we talk about Kolsch and um, trying to understand where we want to take it and looking at what what is a traditional and how is it made and trying to follow some of those things and do it right do it res, you know in a respectable way it's um it's a fine line between am i drinking a pilsner or is there is this an ale is there a fruity ester can i detect it mm-hmm. it shouldn't be apple it shouldn't be pear but then if you think really hard about it is it there or is it not there Dude, you know and that's yeah. kind of like that's the beautiful line of what a colch is because it is an ale and it fits really good with our brand because we are BKS artisan ales. So it's kind of funny if when we make lagers, <laughs> your yeah. name says ales. But that's why why we're really into the Kolsch thing. There's just a lot to un, unpack there and a lot to keep uh, tweaking and working on. We we love it. We love making it. Yeah, it's funny you say pear because I didn't I didn't get it, but I was tasting yeah. um a sweetness, and you said you know is this or is it pear? And I'm like. I that I get there's a little tiny, tiny hint of like a maybe not even yeah, a candied a, pear, but a, like a, a fruity ester. Yes, yeah, just slight, just just the slightest, like yeah, almost kiss almost of fruit. Like, yeah. Is it there or is it not there? A breath of it pear. Almost, it should be mostly not there. Yes, it's mostly not there. But if you if you didn't say it, I wouldn't have said pear. Sure, it's suggestive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's you know sometimes when we drink beer we don't know what we're doing, right? It's like, Oh, you know, what is the power of suggestion? Is it just teaching me what I'm already tasting or is it fooling me to think that I'm actually doing this thing when it's not really there at all? And I do sort of like beer sometimes that you could do that with because it oh, makes really? it a little bit more fun. Cause then you can really go around the room and go, well, what are you getting Oh, And then I look at it as working on my vocabulary, working on my palate, but I also don't oh. want to, you know, interfere with someone else's brain. I like totally. it. What, what yeast are you using on this? Uh, we use, uh, we use, uh, well, there's a couple of coal strains that are out there. And uh, I think we use what is referred to as like the Kolsch 2 strain from White Labs. Okay. Um, uh, the instructions on that, if you look at it, uh, I go back to like my old homebrew days when you read like the labs. <laughs> Let me get my notes out here. Uh, <laughs> and and, and I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm saying they're wrong <laughs> on how you ferment it. So it's, it says this one can be fermented a little bit warmer uh, than, than uh, some of the other ones. And uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. We actually take this pretty cool. Hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're not elevating the temp on this and we just go low and we go slow and we treat this a lot like lager. This is a six-week uh, beer for us to make. We naturally wow. carbonate. We spooned it. And it's actually really cool. I'm sitting um, right next to the tank that uh, we fermented, and it's actually a six-and-a-half-barrel bright tank 
that has a removable false bottom on it, we actually use that to infuse stouts with coconut or cacao nib. So it's actually used in cold brew settings, um, but it's a, it's a flat bottom vessel, you know? And so we like that because it reduces the osmotic stress on the beer, but it's a fat tank. So uh, the yeast can really drop out of there and get crystal clear in the tank. Yeah. It's just a great aging vessel. And so we dual purpose it that way. We use it to um, do some cool stuff with stouts, but we also uh, will throw some lager or colch into there and let it do its thing when we're not using it for stout. A removable false bottom in a brand. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty we were, cool, man. We Did were it. up at the manufacturer's uh, facility and they were showing us where they make uh, equipment for cold, cold brewing coffee. And huh. they showed me what was basically a bright tank, yeah. uh, you know, like you carbonate beer and jacketed bright tank. And it had this uh, uh, false bottom in it. That's like very, uh, very low micron so that you could actually just put ground coffee in it, Jesus. just throw it in and bring water into it. And it, pulls it right off of it. And I said, hang on, man, can I put, can I put coconut in that? (laughs) And they said, yes, because they want to sell the tank. Of course. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. It sounds like you can. I mean, you know, you can put anything in it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So hang on, man. (laughs) And and it's removable. So we, we pulled a false bottom out of there and then we just use it as a, it's a really cool sort of like vertical lagering tank in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how are you finding the flavors on those? Do you have to, cause, and I read, well, I didn't read somewhere one time way back when I was, you know, used to not know anything. I was talking to Vinny, um, Chilurzo, of course. <laughs> um, yes. he's like share, you don't need to say his last name cause sometimes it's hard. Um, <laughs> but he was talking about like a, a, a one to one ratio tank he was using for all his Belgian beers. And he goes, it's the only one we have. And then, uh, but we're moving away from it because I figured out how to manipulate the yeast in a normal size fermenter to get those same esters. So yeah. do you have to, you know, work with your yeast in that regard with, uh, when it comes to like tank shape like that? Totally. Um, I think Alex and I have talked about this a lot about the geometry of tanks and you can probably talk about it. Yeah. Something that, yeah, people don't talk about much, but it's, it's such a huge impact on what, whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, I think, I think for us, like we, we favor at least for like um, a lot of the beers we do, we like the uh, squattier, wider types of tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a couple things that that does is even if we're brewing like a hazy IPA or a West coast IPA or lager or whatever, it helps the yeast drop out quicker. We think that it's just a wider tank. Yeah. And I think also um, anytime you're reducing a lot of the stress on the, on the yeast and the cone of the tank, um, that's going to lead to like a more elegant uh, expression. Like a lot of, a lot of the taller tanks that are out there um, I think might, might disrupt that. But I mm-hmm. think that's where some of the ingenuity of, of, of brewing and, and knowing your tanks and knowing how to work with them and what yeasts work for you. Yeah. And your setup comes into play. But like for us, we, we like the, uh, the wider squattier tanks. Like every time we order them, they give me a quote for these, uh, taller or, uh, you know, like, uh, thin ones. And I'm like, no, yeah. I was yeah. like, do you guys have those ones that nobody wants? Like the, wider <laughs> yeah. Ones? Yeah, the cutting room floor oh. shit. Like, yeah. 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 And they do. We also so, don't, uh, don't have the ceiling space for it. That's the other thing. It's like, we, <laughs> that, it's, uh, we are, it's all part of the, the deal, you know, we are, we are vertically challenged in our space. We have yeah. 11, 11 feet. 
vertical. 11 yeah. feet. Wow. Yeah. You're cramming all these yeah. tanks. Man. Okay. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah. We're, we're close. Well, it sounds like you can sprawl out too. Just like we your tanks. Yeah. You can go wider in your space, <laughs> but not totally. taller. Right. All yeah. right. Yeah. I love it, man. That's cool. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good take on a Kolsch, man. You know, it's a little bit new school, um, but that's, I think that's, it's great. It came out really yeah. well. Thanks, man. How are people loving Kolsch out there? Because Kansas is like, Kansas City is like a, that area uh, um, is sort of lager heavy, right? Oh, yeah. People love their lagers. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ABN Dove country. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, in Kansas City, we're, we're fortunate that people yeah, here who are into craft beer understand what a Kolsch is because we have uh, Boulevard, um, you know, introduced a Kolsch to the market and then... Um, Casey Beerco, uh, mm-hmm. who's up the street from us, uh, who's won tons of World Beer Cup medals and GABF medals for their loggers, uh, you know they they make a wonderful Kolsch and uh, they have a pretty big distribution footprint in Kansas City. And so, uh, fortunately, the uh, the path is already blazed for us to uh, come in and uh, have it in our tasting room. People get it; they know what it is. All right, good. Yeah, because yeah, I was having the uh, we had the guys on from. Uh... Kansas Territory Brewing Company in Kansas. Oh, yeah. And totally. um, they were like, bro, like, well, I mean, they didn't say bro, first of all, but that's me. Bro. That's me being from the Bay Area. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was hella sick, bro. Uh, that it was like 97% of the beer sold in the state is like Bush Light or some crap like that. Oh, in Kansas? Yeah. yeah. So I just figured Maybe. like, you know, <laughs> that whole area might be a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, macro lager heavy. Yeah, I think um, Southern. Missouri yeah, that's Kansas territory. <laughs> you mean Colorado territory? Uh, all right, what should I have next? Uh, let's see. Uh, we we uh, put an English mild in there. Oh, I think that's a that's a next stair yeah. step. That's a fun oh. guy. Yeah. I that's my favorite. Let me let me find it. English mild, Rock Hill and Locust. Yeah, sounds like more, a, more streets. Sounds like a rap group from the eighties, but <laughs> tell me, we, we always. We joke that it sounds like a gastro pub. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really does. Dude. <laughs> that you're like almost close to get a Michelin star at. Yeah, yeah, it's actually the uh, the street corner of where where my home is at. Uh, okay, wow, you're just close to giving your address out on. These yeah, things. I know our next our next English style beer is going to be like the uh, code to my garage. <laughs> the digits. Yeah. <laughs> in f- oh, I shouldn't put it in that. One. And yeah, in five years it'll be like your Wi-Fi password, and then sure, yeah. yeah. Home home invasion ale. No big deal. <laughs> well, they, they, yeah, your Home Alone series could be uh, after that. <laughs> uh, Rock Hill and Locust English Mild Ale, four point oh percent. Is the the best? Oh, wow, my light is too bright to show the to show the whatever. It's a street sign, guys. It's a cool label. Tell me about this, please. It's fun. Yeah. So so Rock Hill and Locust is probably the beer I've been brewing uh, the longest, from homebrew to to commercial brewing. And, uh, the way, the way that I stumbled into it, it was a long time ago and I had a a St. Pat's party I hosted at my house. And of course I was expected to have homebrew that I produced for everybody to come drink. And, uh, I procrastinated and I was realizing I wasn't going to be able to produce the beer that I wanted to have for the the event. And so I did a quick search on the internet. I said, what, what beer can I make the fastest? (laughs) And it said, everybody was like English mild, uh, you know? And so I think I, uh, I think I found, I don't know, some, some recipe on the internet and whipped it together and it was a big hit. 
but I was struck by, uh, I used Maris Otter malt in that uh, from Thomas Fawcett, really nice, nutty, biscuity character, traditional English malt. And um, I just, uh, I just fell in love with the flavor of that, of that malt and I wanted to expand upon it. And so through the years, I changed a lot of things on it. Um, and uh, that was actually the first beer that we made when we opened our brewery. And it has quite a cult following around uh, uh, our neighborhood and in Kansas City here. There's uh, not a lot of people are, were doing it at the time when we opened in 2017. What I am excited about is I see uh, a lot of breweries uh, making English mild yeah. more often than not now. And I think there's like a resurgence of like these traditional and classic styles that are out there. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot, a, lot, a lot of great layers of malt character in there. It's sessionable. You have a few of them. And uh, you can dig into it or you can forget about it. See, and I think I think you're right. There is a resurgence of that. And it's the second mild I've had in a week, which I feel blessed uh, already because it's one of my cool. favorite styles. Um, yeah, I had one at, at Heretic at Jamil's place last week. And it's like yeah. <clears throat> just so welcoming. It's such a, like a welcoming, warm, inviting style. Cause like you said, there is yeah. so many layers you could have and there's so, and this one is, it's a, it's a very good uh, example. It's, it's, a um, got a light chocolatey thing going on, but it has that really light toffee note as well for the malt. Yeah. Um, I think that that chocolatey note and, and I want to get into it a little bit, um, is a little different, a little mm-hmm. different take right. on it, which I appreciate as well, because you can take these styles and, and definitely manipulate them one way or the other. Those dark malts can, can go a little bit. You know, and you can take it, you can push it, push some of these, uh, these mid palate, uh, notes on them. What, what's your malt bill for this? You don't have to like get it percentages if you sure. don't want to, but no, you can. I, uh, there's, there's a couple of specialty malts in there, um, that I'm very fond of with it. Uh, I personally think, uh, uh, biscuit malt is one of them, mm. uh, that really rounds us out, but I also, uh, blend it with some victory malt and, the thing is, is there's too much that you can do on either side of those things. You still got to let the Maris Otter come out, but we actually do put a little bit of um, uh, crystal malt in there, a couple of different varieties of crystal malt. And then um, there is a very specific chocolate malt um, from a maltster. Uh, I won't divulge the name. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I could or I could tell uh, right when you were start yeah, talking. I was like, "This is yeah, going to be secretive." But their chocolate malt. Is Walk up bomb. to the edge. It's, it's it's awesome, and I I uh, I started drinking through any English mild I could get my hands on, and um, you know, fortunately, was able to find some really uh, great award winning examples of it. And one of the things that I I found about those is it's like the seam of like chocolate character that's in there. And I thought mm-hmm. one of the cool things we might be able to do here is carry that out just a little bit more while still being true to the style. And I think that's kind of why ours might be a little bit different than anybody else's. Like we showcase like the, uh, the nutty chocolatey character of what a, a dark English mild can be. We mm-hmm. also use uh, a very atypical English strain for this. And I ran some trials back in the day uh, on using some ESB yeast or the Fuller strain. And then I found an English strain that works beautifully in this and it produces a fuller body, which you need for, uh, this kind of a low ABV beer while still keeping it sessionable. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think those things all coming together, give it like a really unique profile. And, um, 
it's just like a nice drinking experience when you're just want to have a few and hang out with friends and it is uh, because it's yeah, not appreciate it. It's complex for an English yeah. mild to be complex like this. You don't really, you don't really get that. And I feel like you, this is going to sound romantic because, but you know what? We're in the beer industry. Who gives a shit? <laughs> let's right? get romantic. Yeah. Let's just, let's all just take our shirts off and hug for a bit. Um, it's okay. No, but it's like, it, it's you, you care enough about the style to, to put these other extra elements in it where you don't have to, you could strip this down, sell it as an English mild. And people be like, okay, that's an English mild, whatever. But like Americanized versions of English milds, again, caveat, I haven't had one direct from the source from like England, but I've had some really, really good ones. And um, the, the, this it's like I said, it's a very deep. It's a very robust. I would have thought it was like pale chocolate because that chocolate flavor is very light. Yeah. It's almost like yeah, cacao nib cho- where it's like it's it's a it's a higher chocolate. It's like a brighter chocolate. Yeah, a little bit of Tootsie Roll. Like, uh, yep. yeah, it's kind of kind of a baby barley wine. Bar- yeah, like barley wine for the babies. A little bit of fig in there hiding out. Yeah. Oh, have you imperialized this? <laughs> imperialized? No. Oh, this I would be a good, have, no. a good like, you know, winter, winter, winter warmer. Winter, yeah, imperial, winter something. Imperial English mild. That that wouldn't be the first style to be bastardized. You know what I mean? No. Right. Triple mild. (laughs) (laughs) Barrel age. I mean, now that might actually be pretty. Yeah. That might actually be pretty. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I actually want that. uh, We've been talking about doing a uh, uh, cask or something like that with this, which would be beautiful. Yeah. Well, uh, the the one I had at Heretic was was on a hand pump, and it was just awesome. Ah, But 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 I will say it wasn't as flavorful. And it's not a knock because, again, this style you can actually push. You can go in different directions and stretch it out. But, you know, on, on the hand pump, it was just, you know, a couple flavors coming through. It was nice and easy drinking. But this sort of like the Kolsch, you can sit down and really examine it. And at a 4%, you can have a lot of fun doing it. And I think in the beer world, we tend to sometimes go, whoa, well, if it's not 8% and over or in a bottle with a wax seal, I'm just, I'm just, you know, smelling, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's just a beer. It just is what it is. Yeah. yeah. That, that gives me some hope though, that um, I think these types of beers have so much to, so much to be appreciated in them. And yeah. like you just said, like the, uh, unless it's barrel aged and it's 14% ABV, uh, there's a lot of dismissal that can occur. Um, and I think there's just uh, a, a lot of like, technical um attention and uh a lot of toiling and tweaking that goes on with these lower abv beers there's not a lot of places to hide when you're making them right and uh yeah but i just love them i i love drinking this this style of beer especially the older i get the more i need (laughs) these types of things bro yes Uh, (laughs) absolutely dude i'm 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 jumping you know head first into the world of non-alcoholic beer already like at 44 i'm just like yeah Heineken, oh, you're, Heineken double zero at 44. Yeah. I'm 44. What are you, what are you liking? You liking the Heine double zero? I like you Heineken double yeah. zero, dude. I like athletic. Okay. Um, we had the athletic guys <laughs> oh, yeah. on. Um, they're some, it's some of the best non-alcoholic craft beer that I've had. I've had some oh, yeah. that are, I haven't had a, a much, but the few that I've had are like, Oh, this kind of tastes like wort, but athletic sort of yeah. knows they've, they've clearly put the time in to figure it out. Yeah, so I've had I like some good those. ones from them also. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've, I've been impressed. Are you guys going to do a, a, a non-alcoholic beer or is that? Definitely never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no seltzers. Uh, no, uh, no, no, non-alcoholic. Non-alcoholic. That wave hasn't made it. That's fine. The the non-alcoholic wave, I think, is definitely uh, regional. Mm -hmm. I do think, I mean, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a resurgence of like some lower ABV beers, um, you know, and I would love to see uh, craft light lager take off. And like, I'm very hopeful for that. Um, I think there's uh, a, a huge area there to explore. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I, I think you're right where it's sort of coming. Loggers yeah. was the first step to come back. You feel the rumble. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it until someone decides to like, you know, you know, spin up the, uh, the, the Belgian quad again or, you know, whatever. Then it's like, okay, oh. here we go. We're back. We're back on the, yeah. On the other side of it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. All right. We need breaks in between. And I feel like you guys are, are really handling those, those low ABV beers, you know, very, very well. Like I said, they're very flavorful. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So don't let those numbers fool you guys. If you're out there listening. Okay. We need to take a quick break. Everybody. We're going to come back. Sounds good. We're going to be uh, speaking with Brian and Alex here from uh, BKS artisan ales. So hang on a sec, everyone. It's a session. We'll be right back. It's time to talk beer and chew bubble gum. And we're all out of gum. The session. All right, thanks for hanging on, everybody. We're back with BKS Artisan Ales, and uh, we're here with Brian and Alex, and we're going to try some more beer. Uh, what's more next? More beer. Morebeer.com, baby. All right, what's next? Um, we should have the gym open. The time, oh, but. uh, sure thing. Maybe, maybe some something hoppy. Yeah, try to hop. you got a hop in that bag. I got a chur thing. Yes, you want to do that? Let's do it. Yeah, that's a good good way to go. All right, tell me about chur <laughs> chur thing. Uh, I will start off telling you about what chur thing is, and then uh, Alex can tell you how we make it. But uh, chur thing is um, a New, Ze- New Zealand style IPA, and when we were trying to figure out what do we call a New Zealand style IPA, chur is like the uh, Kiwi slang for like cool or awesome or something like that. And so it sounded like sure thing. And Alex okay. and I are always trying to like just joke on word naming schemes and stuff like that. And uh, our artist who does um, our label artwork, uh, she's also a small, a small portion owner with her husband in uh, our brewery and her husband actually works in our brewery. Also, Aaron is his name. Oh, nice. He's not, he's not here. He left uh, about two hours ago and uh, she's an architect, but she is a fantastic uh, graphic designer also. And so I was just saying, uh, you know, I just think of like the Pacific ocean and everything. So she did the label with that design on there, like hand sketched it. And uh, anyway, so that gives us the backdrop to feature New Zealand hops. We work uh, exclusively with, freestyle hop farm uh, on the South Island of uh, New Zealand to get all of our, our uh, New Zealand hops. And we were fortunate enough to get their uh, Nelson Sauvin and their Motueka, which we prominently feature in this one. And mm-hmm. it is kind of like a uh, unfiltered West coast style uh, IPA. And okay. uh, the reason we leave it uh, unfiltered is um, 
Alex and I were talking about making this beer and we were big fans of like the, uh, the old school Alpine Nelson back in the day. And we thought, uh, you know, if we could do some, some sort of tribute to like how that tasted or whatever, cause we can't get that stuff in Kansas city. Uh, maybe we could make some type of beer that's a little bit like it. So this is kind of like uh, it, you know, it's just like a unfiltered West coast with, uh, with those two hops in it and you get like lime passion fruit and uh, you know, the traditional like white wine, gooseberry thing, whatever gooseberry is. And <laughs> it's made up shit. Super, man. super crisp beer. Uh, but Alex can tell you about how we brew it. Yeah, Alex do it. Yeah. So um, we just keep it nice and simple. You know, um, this beer really reminds me of beers that I got to have on the West Coast, like just through travel, uh, you know, years ago, uh, where it was like just pale, like, like, like they were so different than the West Coast IPAs that you could get around here, like, mm-hmm. you know, like 10 years ago. Uh, you know, the ones that we, you would get here were just like crystal malt bombs. And it's like, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've had some other stuff uh, that's that's not like this at all. So we keep it really <laughs> simple. Mostly Pilsner, like no crystal, like just um, a little bit of fluffy stuff in there, you know, mm-hmm. give it some body. And uh, yeah, just uh, let the hops go to town. Um, and uh yeah, I really like the the Nelson character in this. I get it's like it reminds me. It's it's a really weird tasting note, but there's like just this really nice like mixed berry kind of like mm. mixed berry energy drink thing about it, <laughs> which is like you know, I, I'm uh, my palate is that that that's that's in my palate, you know. So that's, that's where you're going with with it. Yeah, yeah. All so. right. All right, I got it. It's cool. It's cool to see. We've uh, this is our our second year working with Freestyle, and we have um, uh, hop contracts with them, which is great for a small brewery like us to be able to um, source some reliably quality hops from from a place like that. Yeah, and, I bet. Um, and just getting to see see how the hop expression uh, from the Nelson changes every single year, which is so cool. Like last year's was a little bit different. This year we have the, this this passion fruit note that's in, in the Nelson Sauvin. And then the Motueka from them is, is just solid. It's just mm. pure lemon lime soda vibes <laughs> that are, wow. that are in the, in the beer. And so it's just fun to, to pair those two things together and um, just doing whatever we can to, to get the malt kind of out of the way so that you can really appreciate what those hops are and do not filter it, you know, so that everything is there with all the hop oils saturated in and yeah. Um, okay. You know, just like dig in with your nose and smell it and appreciate what those are. You know, that's interesting way to describe, I mean, kind of a few things, honestly, Brian, but like one is, you know, when you said you're really excited to see how the crops change. And I feel like most people wouldn't say that. Most, most people are like, I want it to taste the same from year to year, but, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe, maybe that's true for like some other beers, or maybe is this a showcase for how the hops can change? Like, do you, it, it sounds like you're not sure. trying to make the same beer all the time. With I, this particular yeah. Style. I feel, I feel like, yeah, that, that like plays to our strengths, you know, like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, it's like, you know, we, we have a lot of variety and we turn it pretty quick, but, um, you know, we, we want variety. That's, yeah. 
that plays to our strengths. So like mixing it up, like finding a new way to use uh, a hop, um, you know, obviously you, you want some, some consistency, obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. These, yeah. these, uh, these freestyle hops have been great. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the thing about um, tasting through all these things, it's an agricultural product and we're such a small brewery. We're a thousand barrels. So we're not like in a position to um, command whatever hops we want from a certain lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, they're are, like, who are you? <laughs> but, but we are, we are in a position to be savvy about where we get them and how we think about them and how we use them and being smart about, you know, which ones work for what we're trying to do. And um, yeah. And so we're just always trying to think through if we have a really good lot and we're getting thin on it and we get another one, which is great, but we don't want to deviate too far from what the the flavor profile of Nelson Sauvin has been from the previous year in our beers. We'll start blending to bring our customers along with us. And so we kind of are like, a pub brewery in that way that packages most of our beer, like 80% of <laughs> our beer that we make goes into package format wow. and sold on premise. But we, we like to take our, our, our customers along for, for the journey with us on, on hops. And I think they trust us to a degree to deliver on that experience. Like, you know, I think there's an understanding that year over year, our beers might drift or change a little bit uh, based on what that, that, that crop of, uh, hop like citra or mosaic is changing every single year that we can get, but they trust us to deliver it in a unique way that is, you know, pleasant. And so that's kind of how we think about it. And so we kind of wean everybody off of last year's and then bring it into the next <laughs> one. And then we get to learn along yeah. the way too. Like, how do we work with this one? Like what is different about this year's mosaic? What is different about this year's citra or Nelson or Motueka or whatever. And so it's kind of like uh, making, making hoppy beer, being a good IPA brewer is a lot like thinking about like um, sour beer blending and okay. yeah. um, finding those seams of like um, your barrels or whatever you're working with and blending together to get a flavor profile. We think the same way about hops when we use them, like we might use a couple of lots of citra or a couple of lots of mosaic to derive, you know, an, an outcome we're looking for in a beer, you know? So Do uh, you that's kind of where we're doing it do you have a go-to recipe to brew with new hops that come in um we have a we have a few <laughs> okay all right yeah. and i don't know where that comes from I, I think it came from like you describing oh we're excited for these hops to come in and we'll see how to work with them and whatever but i'm imagining the first lot comes in of motueka or anything what do you what do you do with it how do you figure out how to use it uh, I mean, we cut the bag open and we smell it from okay. hops for sure. Yeah, um, definitely that. And then, um, you know, we Alex and I start having a discussion about, you know, I mean, obviously, if it's not good, we're like shit. <laughs> <laughs> sure, because <laughs> it's Which it's happens. not it's not one of those things where you hear like people say, well, you take your your shitty hops and you you just throw them in the boil <laughs> kettle. Well, we don't we don't do that. Like we're not going to put any yeah. shitty hops in anything yeah and uh so it's like damn it we're gonna throw this away um oh you throw in yeah. you throw away hops you throw them away uh yeah oh, or, wow. or don't don't uh, donate them usually okay oh yeah yeah home brewers 
Yeah, okay. we're trying to get some. They're they're still they're still better than anything you could usually get at homebrew stores. Yeah, uh, that we're getting. It's just like it might not be something we're looking for. Um, but then, you know, sometimes we're long on contracts. I've let some good stuff out the door to some people that are, that are homebrewers too. They've gotten some nice stuff from us, oh boy. but, um, you got to pay, you know, it, pay it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. That too. But, but, uh, I think that, you know, when we're, when we're smelling those hops or we're, we're rubbing them and then we're smelling and we're talking about what the expression is going to be, but then, um, both Alex and I are pretty studious on, um, what is in the hops. Like we keep a, a a pretty sharp eye on oil compositions and what the uh, makeup of the hops are. And like, that's one of the things that like I push on a lot of our vendors that we utilize for mm-hmm. because I want the breakdown of what's in there because we have a very specific idea of certain oils and, and all, most of the, the hop vendors we work with can provide them to you. Yeah. And if they can't, that's a question for sure. But, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to see what the breakdown is in there because there are certain components that we, that we look for, mm-hmm. um, that we know will drive what we're, what we're trying to express in these beers. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where we, where we start with it okay. and, uh, just taking some general assumptions about like, what's the alpha acid, the total oil content, and assuming is it early picked or mid picked or late picked and how can you use those beer, the, those hops and beer, you know, um, like if it's later picked, it's going to be higher alpha acid and higher total yeah. oil, but it might be oniony or garlicky, which is not terrible. Right. That, that'll that, work. There's sure. A, yeah. There's a place, there's a place for that. Yeah. yeah. And, it's you know, in and the then, home brewer. Um, <laughs> kit, yeah. And we, I guess I just like asked that because like for me in my mind, it, it, which is impractical because I've never owned a brewery or worked in one really. Um, but I sit in them. And, uh, you know, be like, well, okay, let's, I don't know anything about this hop. I smell it. Yeah, it smells good. Let's make, let's put it in our IPA recipe. Just see how it sure. works. See how it acts. Or let's put it in our, I don't know, depending on the hop, fucking stout. I don't yeah. know, whatever. That kind of thing. But I guess it's not like that. It's a little yeah. more, yeah, you guys know what you're doing, basically. Um, I like this beer, man. You know, it's it's interesting. It's IPA, which I don't drink normally. Um, it's It's, you know, unfiltered, which I don't drink normally. Um, but the, that aroma is there and it's that diesel, there's a diesel quality to it, Yeah, but it's, and it's, let me, it's diesel and it's strong, but it's not a negative. And usually we say that about hops where it's like, oh man, it's like diesel-y and it's like an, it was considered like an off flavor, but it's not, it's not diesel-y in an off flavor. It's, it's like, um. It's a descriptor. Yeah, sometimes like a like a like a I don't know, like a burlap bag or like a rope can kind of have like a diesel thing. Yeah. It's more organic of a diesel note, and I think it works really well with the other flavors that are coming up, the other aromatics like from the yeast and from the malt, and it's it's it cuts through all that. I I kind of I kind of like it. I kind of like yeah. that. It's almost like um, sandpaper. It gets your attention. Yeah, you know, but yeah. you have the fruity stuff coming underneath it too. You know, as it's warming up, I get some of that mixed berry kind of thing, um, and it's it's just a very different. Yeah, there's that diesel. I I don't know, man. I like it. I think it smells really good. Yeah, we. I mean, I will I will say uh, that that's a uh, that that's a word that um, you know on a 
most people who don't understand what that means, like if you're saying it, would be like, how could that be good? And uh, drink gasoline. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but I mean, those words are used to describe um, like cannabis and things like that, that there are pleasant aromas that come from that. It's the same thing with hops. And I think that, uh, you know, there, there is appreciable aromatic compounds from all these types of things. And like, if you just like, if you're, drinking with an open mind and you're looking at those of like, what is it that I'm drinking and what am I uh, smelling? And do I like this? Do I not like this? And I think that's the right way to think about it. Yeah. It's good. Mouth feels there. It's, it's, it's round, but it's not round like um, a hazy beer, you know, like a hazy IPA. Um, Which we, we will do that to you here soon. I'm sure. And I knew it. I knew it. I was reading through the notes and I'm like, Oh, they want a thing for a hazy shit. I'm going to have to drink that. We, we know you don't, you're not into the hazy that much. <laughs> it's fine though, man. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind drinking them. I don't mind tasting them because especially in conversations like this, where I can sit and like learn about it with you guys, mm-hmm. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, now at this point, like my, my, uh, uh, Sisyphean, you know, feat of trying to get rid of hazy IPs is never going to happen. So I'm just going to, I'm going to let that boulder roll over my face. It's, it's here to stay, right? It's here to stay. Yeah. So, actually someone in the chat was like some stable haze. Someone's saying that like uh, you guys saying that you're never going to make a seltzer is like breweries saying I'm never going to make a hazy IPA five years ago. Sure. sure. <laughs> Eventually it'll happen. I'm like, I don't yeah, know, maybe. I think if we start having to make seltzers, I'll probably hang it up. <laughs> yeah. I've had, I've had a couple seltzers that are like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. With seltzers, I, 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 I get the appeal. I get it. Yeah. It's like I had to come to terms with hazy. I I get it. I get the appeal of the beer. I, I don't know. Maybe I guess I just get the, I get it. I mean, I don't know. We're, we're, we're big soda water folks over here, you know, same dude, you know, LaCroix and, uh, fake beer. What's the, what's the Aldi one? <laughs> Bell, Bellevier. Oh, shit. Uh, you Damn. know, look at you guys. I'm just like straight, like Safeway brand, you know, seltzer water. Same, same thing. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Best you throw choice, a little bit of, you got. when you want to get dangerous, you, Throw a couple shakes of Angostura bitters in there. Ooh. There you go. I learned something today. <laughs> yeah, what not to do. <laughs> All right, I'm going to open uh, Counterculture. Counterculture, you're opening it? All right. Yeah. Should I? That's Because that's, everything else is like double or uh, than the milk chocolate. Not milk chocolate. Yeah. But the, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's Counterculture. And then we do. So Counterculture is um, uh, one of our, our beers we have brewed the most. Again, uh, like the English mild was the first beer we brewed. That was the second beer, uh, we brewed and we've been oh. making it quite a bit. It's, uh, comprised of a uh, Citra mosaic Simcoe and an elusive unknown, uh, last hop that, um, may or may not change year over year, depending on what hops we're getting and how we like the way that it uh, smells or tastes. First of all, it's and, hazy. Yeah, it's a hazy. It doesn't it's say that on the can, Brian. Well, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucker. Yeah, we, we surprise. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know what to call it. Sometimes, like we called it Northeast, then New England. Now it's hazy, so it is what it is. I think hazy is just the term now. Yeah, yeah, hazy yeah. IPA. But uh, yeah, so we do we do variants on this uh, that are the components, like a deconstructed version of it. And so this is DDH Citra, like a double dry hopped Citra version. So we bring the Citra character of this beer more to the forefront uh, than you might have if we just made the base version of it. And that's kind of what, uh, what we riff on with this one. 
I'm thinking about it. You, you got me thinking about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, my first taste, it was like a little bit of, you know, citrus, maybe like orange pith, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, of course, that soft, round mouthfeel. And then it was like this green flavor that I that literally made me go, huh. So I had to like sit and digest it. And it's... um. It's it's vegetal, but not in not in like the off flavor. This is my problem: is I often say things and I have to caveat them with that's not an insult, but I should probably learn how to like you know speak better. Um, but it's like you know when you when you're like uh, smelling a hop vine, it's like mm-hmm. that kind of green smell. That's the flavor yeah. that I get. Yeah, I think that. that's kind of where um, the New England style thing is uh, is at with uh, with everybody who's drinking it is like what we're, what we're trying to find in that. And one of the reasons I really love this style, I, I mean, it was, um, for me, I was a big West coast IPA fan for years and years and years and still am. I absolutely adore and love those styles. Uh, but what kind of like, uh, blew my mind is, uh, the hop character that's in this. It, it is one of the only ones where, um, when we bake this beer, it has some of the same aromatic compounds, uh, of when we open up a bag of hops mm-hmm. when we cut when we cut the the top off of it and that first smell that's in there and so for me i really love that i love like uh finding that same sort of like hop aromatic compound comes off of that that glass that i find when i open up the bag or i rub the hops yeah and um yeah and the other thing with it is uh the the yeast component that's in there brings a little bit of like a stone fruit character. We use Conan yeast uh, in this, and there's a couple of different derivatives of Conan yeast um, that we've tried out and used. And we have a really good one with bootleg biology, who uh, is the yeast provider that we use. And I think they have one of the most elegant expressions of uh, Conan yeast that we've, we've tried out. We've stuck with them for a really long time, but it brings this big peachy stone fruit character into the beer. And it's surprisingly, um, I mean, you might drink it and you might think there's some sweetness to it, but, yeah. uh, it might also at the same time, you might be like, is it not that sweet? It might be also like, is it dry? Is it just a lot of hop character going on in there? And so it's actually not, uh, uh a high attenuator. It's like, it goes re- like pretty close to where some of our West coast stuff goes. Really? Yeah. Cause it does not, it does not taste like that. Mm-hmm. It is pretty, you know, and it's, it, it's round. It's funny because you say like peachy stone fruit because it is almost like a like a juice, and it's one of and you know again I, I, I don't know why I keep repeating this over and over again, but I don't drink these. But I was talking to um, the guys on Doctor Homebrew, and I was like, I've probably had more hazy IPAs than you guys have. The people who actually go out and drink them just because of the show. So now I'm an expert oh, yeah. on them. Um, but it's, it's like, this is one of the, one of the few beers that does have a, a juice component to it. And I think it is maybe the, um, the yeast esters, you know, if you're saying those are throwing some peachy stone fruit things that does help combined with the soft water and that mouthfeel to sort of give it more of a, a juicier fruit flavor than just like you know, malt and, you know, some stuff in suspension. Sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think there's a, a very soft component, like uh, the way we brew it. Yeah. There's, there's, there shouldn't be too much harshness, you know, like 
some of these beers can get all churned up and real, real raw. And it's like yeah. the nose, the nose smells awesome. And then you drink it and you're like, ah, I mean, that's to be honest, that's most of them that I've had. I've had a couple, you know, on the show where like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, I, I, it helped me understand the style, drinking them more and more. And it's like, I'm forced to drink them. So I'm going to drink them. And I understand, I get why people like it, <clears throat> but there are, there are those that most of them smell great, but the flavor doesn't really back it up. Yeah. Um, you know, and this one for me, I think it's more about the flavor. Not that it doesn't smell great. It smells good, but it's not as expressive as the flavor. And I, and I wonder if that, I would bet that that's that yeast that you're talking about, Brian. Mm-hmm. that's yeah, why you guys are using it. it's such it's such a, that would be such an important part of this beer if you made this beer with any other yeast it, it, it wouldn't be as put together i think yeah we, we we actually we've gone through quite a few trials like i i think i said earlier one of the things we had uh failures and successes along the way yeah and uh when we when we came to market and we were making this beer actually we used a a yeast blend we used uh sac uh, London Ale 3 and Conan together in a blend and uh, fight to the it death. Was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a, it was a, a battle royale. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes you'd see like uh, one yeast would want to be uh, more dominant than the other sometimes for unknown reasons. And, you know, we started tasting through it and finding that the, the Conan strain, it's the one that I liked. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, like London Ale 3 or Sac is not good. There are appreciable characteristics of that. In fact, some of the uh, the hazy beers that I adore and love are are, are brewed with those, those yeasts for sure. But um, yeah, for us, like we just, uh, we just decided to go with Conan and uh, we've been working with it for three years, uh, this particular one and know it, know it pretty well. I don't know, man, if I had to be, if I had this beer in front of me, I wouldn't mind drinking it. It had that, that mid palate, you know, fruit representation is, is very enjoyable. Awesome. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's the beer when people come into the taste room, like, I don't like IPAs, which I hate hearing. That's <laughs> yeah. I got news for you, dude. And, uh, yeah. I said, and like most everybody here is like, Oh yeah, just let me pour you a little bit of this. And they're like, Oh, would I like this? <laughs> Whatever this is. Yeah. I hate IPAs, period, full stop. All right, last one before the last break here is the Double Double, which now I'm hungry and want a burger. Yeah, we're taking you to dank dank territory here. Um, Double dry hopped, double India pale ale, Mm 8.5%. Tell me about this one. Yeah, so this is is kind of our double version of counterculture, really. Um, It's hazy, too. Oh yeah. Surprise. It's your last one. You guys are messing me up. You you got this. You got this. <laughs> Thanks, man. I love the confidence. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, big softy, big soft malt base. Um and then this one, yeah. Obviously with the the so the double double series, we do a whole array of colors and kind of uh hair certain hop expressions with the colors of the, of the double label. So um, this one, you know, really evokes uh, a lot of uh, different stuff, but there's, there's definitely an underlying like background of, of dankness and uh, 
um, which, you know, we, we love the West coast beers and, and stuff. So we, we, we love the dank stuff. So this is kind of our, uh, our fun, uh, d- dank riff on, on a hazy double. It's dank. That is <laughs> <Yeah>. a dank, <laughs> that is a dank beer. And I, you know, I, I heard somewhere, read somewhere that people want to try to like read, take, remove the expression dank because, you know, and this was, this was probably, I don't know, man, eight years ago or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, before pot was just, you know, whatever it is now, uh, legal most places, at least in California. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's like, oh, it's too, you know, drug reference or whatever, but like you can't, you, you couldn't describe this beer any other way. Right. You couldn't yeah, do give, give me another word. Herbaceous. <laughs> yeah, herbaceous. I, sh- sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, if I'm Wolfgang fucking Puck and like I want, you know, to order pasta with extra, you know, I mean, like, come yeah. on. Basil, more basil. <laughs> yeah, or I'll throw it at your head. Yeah, that is, that is, it, I mean, it is what it is. It's dank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Galaxy, Galaxy Hops are the lead in this. And, um, and then there's a, there's a, uh, there's a blend of some other ones behind there that we really, find that uh that prop up the galaxy the right way we don't go too far with galaxy these days galaxy has been um kind of a a a strange changing hop over the last um three years that we've got it oh wow yeah it's gone from like um these like uh awesome dank pineapple expressions to like totally woody um if you're if you're not getting the right ones Okay. So like we, we have had to be very careful about uh, the galaxy that we source and what we're looking for in it. And we were very, very, very lucky uh, to get uh, like 500 pounds of uh, or 550 pounds of galaxy uh, last year that we really loved. And we've been like kind of using that and fusing it in uh, to this beer. And yeah, uh, we just, I'm very worried about uh, if can can we find the next lot of galaxy to, <laughs> to, to keep doing this. Yeah, sure. As, yeah, as, but, as you know, that's that's one of those hops where it's like you're kind of jumping off into into the darkness with with what you're going to get when you get galaxy. It's like, is it going to be awesome? Is it going to be just weird? Yeah, yeah. Are you guys pulling enough hops where you go to like hop selection? At certain places, no, not yet. Um, no, absolutely not. I wish, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. But it sounds Maybe. like at the rate you're growing, you might be soon. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. You're doing yeah. well. Yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to be able to to go out there and hand pick it and and all that stuff. I definitely don't have time to fly to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I mean, I guess I've met more Oregon, but yeah, Washington, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Imagine um, expensing a trip to New Zealand uh, to yeah, just we, go to hop selection. We have a really yeah. good relationship <laughs> with like um, uh, Hollingberry hops and uh, our, our hop rep uh, lives up in uh, Omaha, Nebraska has mm. been really great to us and helped us out a lot. And then we, we still, we use, uh, we license stuff from like uh, some other, some other places and okay. um, there's some really cool stuff that's out there and just trying to, keep an open mind and good relationships with those places. And uh, they've helped us out a lot. A lot of those places. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. All right. Let's take a quick break. Uh, well, actually, first of all, um, yeah, the beer is great. It, it's, you have focused that juicy quality, which I normally don't like that word, but I can't, again, I can't think of another word to describe it. It, it like, 
it is a it is a juicy tasting beer, and you focused it, and it is it is an intense um, you know sort of mouthfeel expression. The hops come great. It's it's a well balanced double IPA that's also hazy. Yeah, I mean it's good. Yeah, happens to be hazy. Yeah, you did a good job for sure. Uh, let's take a quick break, clean this nonsense up, and we're going to open the last two dark beers. I'm going to make it to the yeah. bar of the wine, boys. Wow. All right. Yes. Yeah, we're going to do it. Bonus round. All right. Hang on a sec, everyone. It's a session. We'll be right back. You're tuned into the session. All right, thanks for hanging on, everybody. We're hanging with BKS Artisan Ales, and uh, we are going to crack open the double milk stout called Chocolatier. Chocolatier time. Yeah, it's a traditional doppel milk stout. <laughs> traditional, seasonal traditional. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the uh, double chocolate milk. Do you, do you have just like a normal uh, milk stout? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. What's that one called? Uh, it's called Holstein, um, like the cow, like the uh, Holstein, the whole Hol- Holstein, Holstein. Holstein. Oh, like the like the like the. I almost said the brand of cow because I'm an idiot. Yeah, the milk, the, the milk yeah. cow. Yeah, it's a certain <laughs> okay, right. a certain strain of cow. <laughs> yeah, I got it right. Yeah, like how how could you make a milk stout without a picture of a cow on the label? Yeah, for sure. All right, <laughs> double milk stout. Tell me about it, please. Yeah, this one, um, so there is a, uh, a chocolatier in town in Kansas City, and they actually have, he has a shop in the Bay Area. That's the only other one, I believe. Oh, geez. Uh, wow. Okay. Christopher Elbow Chocolates. They're, yeah, go say hi. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely amazing. They'll be like, who are you? Like, I don't uh, know. I don't well, know. Now you know. know. Now you know. Um, anyways, so uh, he's getting into um, doing some single origin expressions of of chocolate, like in, in chocolate bars. And uh, we started noticing like how, how interesting, like all the flavor nuances of uh, cacao can uh, be. It's yeah. not just uh, like what you might imagine, like when you're eating a piece of like Hershey's chocolate or something like that, there's like so much appreciable tobacco or like uh, cherry or, you know, like fig, different things that pop out in there and like, how can we use this in beer? And uh, it was a really nice like sort of thing where we just uh, reached out and said, we'd love to make this beer during the holidays called Chocolatier and use uh, some cacao nib and then some vanilla bean. We have a vanilla provider in Kansas City. Uh, he did some uh, missionary work in Madagascar and created relationships with a lot of the families that of are the vanilla growers out there. <laughs> And he actually is like a direct, like a uh, farm uh, to, to uh, retail. Like he knows the mm. families that where he's getting the uh, Madagascar vanilla from Saba trading. Wow. And uh, so we have that here in Kansas city and started working with them. And we fused the two things together to like bring this like milk chocolate expression together from like um, a little bit of lactose sugar in there. And then, um, like the vanilla, and then uh, this one is Nicaraguan um, 
chocolate this year. I think uh, last year we did an Ecuador chocolate. Uh, it's Nicaraguan La Colonia Farms from okay. Christopher Elbow. And they sell the actual single origin bar. If you wanted to, if you're in the Bay Area or something like that, and you wanted to go down there and oh, damn. go to your shop and pick up a bar of it, you could actually compare it. And it's strikingly crazy. Like you can find the character of that chocolate that's yeah. uh, roasted by him here in Kansas City is in that chocolate bar. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you, are you using the actual chocolate? Or are you using the nibs? The nibs. Yeah. Okay. He roasts the nibs uh, and then brings them over to us. Like, oh, he uh, roasts the nibs at the. Yeah, okay. Himself. Wow. So yeah, does he get them? He gets them in like fermented and then shipped over. Uh, yeah. He, he finds a broker to, to get them from those farms mm-hmm. and, um, and, and then picks the lots, I guess. And then um, brings them over and cool. roasts them. And then uh, we're using them in the beer and, uh, I'm very stoked about this. Like, this is like kind of one of the relationships that we had, uh, or we have with a coffee, a coffee roaster in town where I got to learn a lot about coffee, uh, in general, and then use it in beer just by, uh, collabing with them. And like, I'm really excited to like, understand more about like cow nib and the supply chain and the process for all these things and like how it displays in beer. And like, this is, you know, like one of the first steps for us. And we plan to do a lot more of these types of things with it. That's a wild, that's a wild beer, man. What's your, um, while well, I'm processing all of this, cause it's a lot of flavor. What's your, lot. what's your nib? Uh, I don't know if you know this. I'm a, a, a nib expert, um, as in most things, what's your nib profile? How do you eat? How do you, uh, how do you infuse that? How do you put them on the, you know, how long do you leave them in the beer? All that kind of stuff. What do you do? Um, yeah, we leave them, we leave them on the beer until we get the flavor we want. And, uh, Right now, uh, it's around 72 hours, and uh, there's a temperature setting that I like for it uh, that brings out nuance, just like with cold brew coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just do that and uh, sample it. 72 yeah. hours, that's it. You don't do any yeah, more? Have you, have you ever done any more? Uh, I don't know that you need to do any more. It's like maybe if I did, it could go bolder, but then I'm like, what are we washing out? Uh, if the chocolate gets too big in it, right? Uh, mm. It's like it still needs to taste like oh, a milk stout. They mm. still need to find the vanilla in it, and um, so you just uh, you just use your own taste buds. You know? That's a good okay. That's a good answer because my 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 retort to that would be like you know on my oatmeal stout I go I go like two months because mm-hmm. I treat them like like oak cubes because you got well, all that flavor to like. We almost sent you an oatmeal stout. Fuck! You almost were my best friend. <laughs> Um, Damn it! <laughs> just this close, Alex. You almost had it. Um, but I. But your reply, your your explanation for why you uh, are are not using the the JP method of uh, of over aging is it makes sense <laughs> because what are you what are you washing out? What are you sort of compressing and hiding behind two month aging on 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 you know nibs or even one month or whatever? Well, but, I think I think we're accenting malt character in it. Yeah. 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 Right. That, that's what I mean. This way, I think you're, I think your, your answer is right. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe one day try it, just try a little bit, try a month just to see what happens on maybe another beer or whatever, because I really firmly believe that the, the farther that beer can kind of ext- more extract more things, you get more of a, less of a chalk. No, I don't say less of a chocolate, but it's not chocolate, but it's nib. I don't know. Try it. You'll love it. 
right. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to do it, are you? Alex, do it. Just do it. Okay. Um, that's a that's a cool beer, dude. Wow. That's all I got to say. It's just a cool beer. No, it tastes like fucking chocolate. Does that's the that's the idea behind it? Yeah, like, that's uh, weird, right? So if you look at the label, um, who'd have sunk it? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> would have known. If you if if wow. you look at the label, it it looks like uh, what their their boxes of chocolate look like, like the ribbon and the stuff that's on it. Like oh, that's cute. actually like we passed it to them and like, hey, is okay if we do this? It looks like your your sort of thing. And um, here in Kansas City, Christopher Elbow chocolates are are loved. Um, people go crazy their stuff here okay yeah, um, they, fights fights yeah. break out hell Fire yes dude fights. yeah boulevard, i love fighting over chocolate boulevard did this beer a long time ago back before i i got into commercial brewing and it was called uh chocolate ale and it was like the most wild thing like people would just line up down the streets to get uh bottles of this like i think it was a blonde ale uh with kick, uh, christopher elbow uh cacao nib in it because people love the chocolate Mm. Uh, that he's producing here so much. He's like uh, Willy Wonka of Kansas City. <laughs> Did you meet Crazy. Mr. Elbow himself? Was he oh, like, yeah, a, like he, a living yeah, man? He came, he came back here and we wheezed the, uh, the, the Kolsch off the tank uh, that was in the can you had earlier. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, as man. We, as, we, as we talked about this beer. Yeah. So he likes beer. Yeah. <laughs> he has to. Yeah. That's a trippy beer, man, because it is very, it is very like, um, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody's done this as a kid. You take, you know, get in the fridge when your parents aren't looking and you take the bottle of like, you know, chocolate syrup, squirt it in your mouth. Mm. Although it's yeah. not Hershey's, which, you know, whatever. But um, it's that same, oh God, not even mouthfeel, but it's that same, and this is going to be impossible to describe, so I apologize in advance. But it, it's sort of that same tactile experience where it, it, it tastes like a very thick mouthfeel. It tastes very... Um, almost overwhelming, almost uh, velvety, like the most in the truest sense of the term velvety, um, yes. luscious and just super coating. Like my wife makes these fucking chocolate cookies. They're like chocolate and mint. And she coats them with <clears throat> some sort of frosting or whatever. And I'm, I've literally gained eight pounds in a month because I'm eating them all the time. And it's, and, yeah. it's, and it's because I told her, go, what I'm trying to chase is this dragon of like, eat the cookie, <laughs> And it needs to get a, a certain mixture in my mouth. And yeah. I promise I'm going somewhere. And it's like everything's coating. And that's, and that's when I reach for the next cookie. I don't swallow it and enjoy the flavor, but it's, it's this tactile thing. And that's what this beer has. It's that certain mouth coating, but it stays and it's very voluminous. And it's almost like um, yeah. it, it's, it's very well made beer, very it well comes, constructed beer. I think it comes from the, uh, the, the hot side of what we do on brewing. And, um, you know, I think there's, it, it, it's malt expression and it's also how we, how we build that, uh, that, that, uh, the malt bill for all of it. And, uh, Alex is a, a, a really good soupsman. Uh, he makes soups, yeah. Soup. Yeah. Right. Soupsman. And yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I, you're not a brewmaster, you're a soupsman. Yeah. I it's kind of it. all the same, you know, just c- cooking up a big batch of sugar soup. <laughs> Fuck. I love sugar soup. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? Damn. damn. Is this Alex on the marketing side? Cause if not, he should be. Yeah. 
But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we joke about that. Quite we all there. wear hats. We all have different hats. That's right. Yeah. Mine I think, there's, I, I think there's like a, there's a lot of attention to detail that goes in on like maintaining pH on this type of beer um, as it gets to the fermenter. And like, that's the key is these uh, very acidic malts mm-hmm. uh, can dr- can try to drive down to a very low pH. It's like keeping that stuff in check, being aware of it, paying attention. Um, and like, there's a lot of stuff going on on like a stout brew day, you know, a lot of like different things we're doing. It's very tiring and very hard to do. And he does a great job of it. So, yeah. I see him blushing. Was yeah. pH something you were working on as a home brewer as well? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Quite a, quite a bit. Um, yeah. You seem like tired just remembering it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, uh, but it was like, uh, Alex and I talked about this a lot when he worked at another brewery. Like we, we both are like, uh, watching pH from like, uh, brew day also to like the end of fermentation and talking and trading notes about like, well, what is happening? Like, why do yeah. certain things taste better? And what could that possibly be? And so it, it happens with like IPA, lager, stouts, everything. It's like, um, just being aware of where those checkpoints are along the way. And, uh, why is it, why is it turning out good? You know? Yeah, totally. And you think pH is, is a hidden aspect that many people don't really talk about with, is, with beers like this. Cause pH is always like, Oh, well, sour beers. You talk about pH other than that. I don't know what five, two and you're mashing. You never hear about it again. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're, you know, the, the more specialty malts that go in there, you know, it, it's definitely something to keep track of. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you don't want it to be too, too sharp or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you do adjustments in the tank? Like you put, do you do a pH sample and you go like, Oh, maybe that's a little high. Let's, you know, bring it down or whatever. No, no, we we don't. Uh, after it's in the tank, we're kind of like, okay, don't mess with let, it. Let, letting it go. So, yeah. but it's like you're saying, Brian, it's the attention on the hot side that makes it carry yeah. over. So all the focus is on hot side pH and then everything yeah, should be fine. I, mean, I think, I think, um, there is a sweet spot on, on stouts that we look for on the hot side. And, um, it's a, it's a hard target. Like we have very, very hard water in Kansas city. And it actually helps us brew stouts here. And, um, you know, like the, the water is alkaline and it's hard. And so, um, it actually balances out some of the acidity on the malts. Conversely, brewing lager and IPA and golden colored beers here is very hard to do because of that water profile. And so we have to be very careful the other way. And we're, I would, I would say the most meticulous thing that we're obsessive about is what our what our water and our pH is at all times uh, throughout the brewing process, and it doesn't seem like it anymore to us because we kind of like have these assumptions after years of doing things. We're like, oh yeah, well like water's looking like this today. Let's uh, yeah, let's, it's like let's, second let's, nature at this point. Let's do this, you know. And so like we 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 monitor our infeed on the water to be aware because our water profile in Kansas City changes quite a bit based yeah. on the seasons. Mm-hmm. huge huge fluctuations like yeah. hard to extremely hard water okay <laughs> all right it sounds kind of like the bay area like the east bay uh, we're east bay mud and we're probably. like it, it shifts from time to time yeah but it's um it's just funny water 
it's it's funny because like back in the day of being a home brewer around here, it was like everyone was like, "Yeah, man, I just use the tap water." It's like, <laughs> all right, uh, it's kind of gnarly. Or like, I I feel like pe- people used to be like, "Oh, Kansas City's got great tap water. It's the best." <laughs> it's like I don't know, man. Have yeah, you tasted the other stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Have you tasted it on the other side of a filter? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just maybe what some people do to, to just, I don't know, uh, make it okay that they don't treat their water. Like that's what I do. I go, man, it's yeah. fine. But I only really make dark beers. Anyway, I can't make light beers because I don't, I can, but I don't, I don't want to focus with pH and stuff like that. I just don't, it's not my thing. I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I already know that that limits me a lot on what I'm going to do and I'm okay with it. Right. Yeah. You, you've got plenty of uh, the the crispy stuff to go around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, you, you're yeah, good. I you, gotta, you don't need to do that. No. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I can just go buy Heineken Double Zero. I don't need to brew it. Right, bro. Um. Yeah. That's a del- that's a delicious beer, man. That is a very excellent representation of chocolate in a beer like that. Great. I would not have known that yeah. you. It was just nibs. I would have. I would have assumed that it was like real chocolate somehow or like chocolate powder or something like that. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. No, we really? did try that Excellent. once. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. You did. Yeah. How'd that work? Yeah. It sounds like it worked well. It was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Fine. All right. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't good. Yeah. We're all right with it. Not our favorite. Nibs yeah, is a better uh, way to go. Yeah. We, we, we like those cacao nibs roasted by, by, by the master himself, Christopher Elbow. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. Great beer. Excellent beer. I'd hate to even almost hate to ruin it with this barley wine. I'm going to do it anyway. This oh, is the the recollection. This is our last beer, everybody. All right. And then what is that? Like a is that anniversary clock? Is that what that's called? Uh, it is. So recollection. Anytime we do a barley wine uh, recollection, it's a different clock. Um, oh, okay. It's set, five, it's set to five twenty. I don't know if you noticed that. I'm, I was I was just about to ask what the time was. Well, the reason it's it's set to five twenty is um, when Alex was at Torn Label, we were uh, we were doing a collab brew, and he would come over and drink some beers with us. And um, uh, he was supposed to come over at like um, <laughs> five o'clock or something like that, and uh, and meet up with me, and uh, we we're going to talk about some beers and do a collab or whatever. And he walks in, he's like, "Oh man, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm late. It's a uh, it's 520. I know I'm late. It's like 520, man. You have to chug beer. <laughs> so, you know, the old 420 or 520 thing. So, yeah. Uh, it's just an old joke. So the clock is always aligned to 520 on barley wine. That's Not funny. that anybody needs to chug barley wine. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny you mention that because uh, our, our longtime friend Chris Rogers is in the chat and he has a uh, it's part of a Facebook group where this stupid idiot has been chugging a Bigfoot barley wine every day this year. Oh man! Every day, and he's still alive. I think. I think the hospital's letting him use Facebook, which is nice. But um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So you don't need uh, to, but you can. Yes. Um, So we did. uh, So we did five twenty actually as a collaboration with Torn Label Brewing Company three years ago when Alex was working there, and it was actually a pale ale with um, uh, five point two (laughs) malts, five point two yeasts. 
and 5.2 hops. Oh, geez. And, uh, yeah. Anyway. That's some homebrewer shit if I've ever heard it. Yeah, it, it was a little bit. It's not repeatable, and it was just yeah. kind of a funny thing. Yeah, it's, it's lived it's on here good. just as a joke. And so, nice. anyways, since recollection, when you drink a lot of barley wines, you might lose track of time a little bit. Um, yeah. And it's it's lined to 520, and so that's why that's on there, mm. if anybody ever is more drinking. I like it. This, That's cute. This one is a rye uh, whiskey, uh, rye whiskey barrels from Willet. And oh uh, shit! Look at you guys. Yeah. yeah. Rye whiskey from Willet. Do you get um, from a, a broker? Or do you just go right to the distillery? Yeah, say, we use like, Midwest uh, Midwest Barrel Brokers up in Lincoln, Nebraska. They're the exclusive uh, Willet broker uh, in the United hmm. States right now. Hmm. And I was really lucky to. Uh, get some Willet rye barrels, and uh, we did this uh, this barley wine in here. This is actually it's probably more of a dark strong ale than uh, than a barley wine, but I like to call it a dark barley wine. I don't know that a lot of people consumers know what a dark strong ale is, and so um, I just like calling it that from from, yeah. from a standpoint of like understanding of what you're getting into when you're drinking. Yeah, it's like some some nice like a uh, marshmallowy like uh, tobacco tannins that are in there. Yeah, I get like the tobacco thing. I got a big hit of like golden raisin. Mm. Oh yeah, you know, just like a big centerpiece of that. It's still maybe a little too cold, um, you know, right now, so it needs to warm up a little bit. But um, yeah, and it is very, it is very. Um, I don't want to say unbarley wine esque, but it is sort of like on the lighter side of a barley wine that than than I would expect. Mm-hmm. And I think it's nice. I think it's good to like change it up because you know, American style barley wine, you automatically think like a just big giant malt bomb with all sorts of different character malts in it and you know, a nice assertive hoppiness, and it's not there's some bitterness there to it, but it's not it's not over the top. The malt bill is definitely more restrained than I would expect. Which I think is cool. I think it's a nice. I think it's a nice, smoother. It makes it a smoother drinking experience. I think. Yeah. Are you guys big barley wine people out there, Kansas City? I would. Uh, I think that uh, I like barley wine a little bit more than stout, personally. Really. And I find some. Um, I don't know. I find some like different, like sort of a uh, approach to brewing with barley wine than stout, like. Uh, it's a, it's mostly Maris Otter malt driven, right? And so you're like, you're trying to work with like a singular malt to create an expression and find the right type of barrel to pair it up with. And what is the mouthfeel and the character of these types of things and what sort of like a uh, barrel might match up with it. And I don't know. I just, uh, I like a little bit of a different flavor expression every once in a while. And like stouts are done plenty over and over and over again with barrel <laughs> barrel character and well yeah like you're how, right. do, how, do, how do you stand out in the market a little bit differently is like maybe do some barley wines every once in a while yeah absolutely for sure well and i think that this is a good this is a good barley wine recipe to do because it doesn't really focus the malt in in a sort of over the top direction that sometimes you can get with like a barrel aged stout mm-hmm. you know it's sort of softer it's almost more like wheat wine ish or it's yeah. like a little more subdued. Yeah. Um, but the mouthfeel is very smooth. It's very slick. It's very, it's almost sort of, you know, representative of the, uh, of the double milk chocolate stout. Definitely not in that level, but it has that same sort of 
I don't know, sure. creaminess, I guess, is probably yeah. mm-hmm. something yeah, like that. For sure. uh, 18, 18 months in Willet barrels. Uh, and I think the, uh, that's the thing with barrel aging is uh, there's just something magical that happens at like month 18 and like into month 24 in between that. And uh, we would taste these and be very anxious about it because we want these to come to market yeah. we're really excited about it. they smelled so good like when we would pull the bung on these i was like oh my god i want to live inside of this barrel and just smell <laughs> this for a while and yeah. then you put the the beer in there and uh and you smell it and you taste it and you're like man this doesn't taste like it's going to the right place and then something around right around that 18 month mark just some magic happens it's crazy and we tasted them at 12 and I tasted them at 14 and I still didn't like it. And then 18 hit and I was like, damn, I was like, it's, it's close. It's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it, it just takes time and it's uh, just patience. Just leave it alone. Don't touch it. You know, you know, and that, that is something that, you know, you, you don't, you can't describe that, that entire process of waiting until the flavors are right, unless you've done it before or you've tasted it before. And that's the part of it being a home brewer and then, you know, a commercial brewer, I imagine as well, that sort of keeps you coming back. It's that those, those are the moments that you can steal that are like, wow, this is, I've, I've really truly created a thing. Yeah. It is a cool feeling. Yeah. These, uh, these were really fun to do. Just, uh, the journey you go on with it. We've, we've never done something that's taken this long. We do some, some mixed fermentation and wild Saison stuff, of course, which we didn't send you. And, uh, those ones will go like on a year journey or whatever. Um, and like, we don't do a whole bunch of them, but those, those are the most fun. Like those are, those are the greatest things to like brew and like watch and see and learn. it's like, you only have so many, so many tries at those things in a lifetime. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and Jake in the chat says not typically a barley wine guy, but that recollection was awesome. Jake. All right. So Ooh. there you go. Jake, you have shout some friends out, now. Shout out to Jake. Big Jake. Big I Jake, didn't brother. A, didn't know there was a chat going on. Oh, yeah, it's on, on Facebook, but. Oh, okay. <clears throat> that's where we're at these days. I like that, Jake. <laughs> yeah, Facebook or, or bust, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a really good. Uh, God, I'm like, I'm. I, see, again, this is my problem. Everything sounds like a nag, but I'm struggling to 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 describe this beer because it's so even keel. It's so smooth yeah. and so balanced and so like everything sort of runs into each other. And uh, again, this is another beer. Uh, I think you guys are doing dark beers amazingly well because you can you can take these malts and turn them into sort of conversation pieces. And you can sit and really think about this beer and talk about it and deconstruct it, but not in a way which I was trying to get at earlier. Not like a nerdy dork beer guy way. We're like, oh, well, you know... I think that, uh, you know, whatever, right? Like you have, you have an empty glass for your farts and then you can, and you have a full glass of your beer and you alternate between the two. And that's not what I mean. It's like, you can, any person, the common man, uh, you know, can sit down and go, Oh, let's just let this warm up. I taste this. I taste this. And it's, it's very much inviting you to learn about the beer rather than struggling to, to describe it for your own personal notes. Does that make any sense? Totally. Yeah, I think I've yeah. done really. No, like, it's happy to hear. Really good, really good malt profiles. Very good. Yeah, it's like uh, a, a lot of those uh, 
like I, and I myself am admittedly not not a huge barrel beer guy. Like I I don't I don't reach for them a, a bunch, but like yeah. I I have I have an appreciation for them and our beers across the spectrum of of whatever we make. I feel like are super approachable like yes. for wherever you're coming from where it's like uh yeah it, it none, none of it's like gonna bonk you over the head and be like oh i don't know about that <laughs> you know it, it's like it's like hey just just, just come on in it, come on in it's we're, a we're friend a good time yes it's yeah, a friend we're a friend yeah absolutely yes. man for sure yeah i you know i i it, the malt is it's it's like a light brown sugar uh, you definitely get barrel. You definitely get some of the um, some of the willet there too, but not a lot. Like, again, everything is really even keel, and I think you're right, Brad. It's all about knowing when to pull it off. Um, I don't know. I, I can't say enough good things about it. It's it's a very well rounded, very I think, uh, uh, I think flavorful maybe this beer. This is our barrel aged uh, English mild right here, like Imperial English mild. Oh yeah, this is our is triple. Really? This yeah. is our triple mild barrel there, age. There, there is a, a little a little tiny bit of chocolate mold in that. A, a kiss of the cocoa. Same one. Oh, yeah. yeah. A kiss of the cocoa. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, man. Absolutely good stuff. Well, that's all the beer that I have time for, or that's all the time I have beer for. I don't know, whatever. Uh, where can everybody learn, uh, go to learn more about BKS Artisan Ales, my friends? Uh, well, you can go to our website at www bksartisanales.com we are also on instagram uh, twitter facebook um, all that stuff and uh, mostly the place you can go to to find out about us is in our tasting room that's where you can get our beers to go and it's the only place you can get our beers to go and also uh have a have a pour you know yeah come on down we don't we don't distro but uh we are open wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday in kansas city in our tasting room for all that type of stuff. So hopefully uh, if you're visiting or if you live in Kansas city and you want to find out about what we're doing, that's where we're at. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Good stuff guys. Again, thank you very much for sending the beers and, uh, and for the chat and everything was, everything was tasting great. Love yeah. it. Thanks right. so much. Very good yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right, everybody, thank this you. has been the session. We're going to take off. Um, if you want some more beer, you know, content, I don't know why you would, um, check us out. We have a whole bunch of other stuff over on the session. I'm going to do some uh, Dr. Homebrews releasing this later on this month, which is already, what, the fucking 20th. So I got those to do, uh, some Bruce Strongs to post up to as well. So uh, we're going to be checking it out. But uh, anyway, thanks a lot, everybody. And until next time, we'll see you later. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. JP's an asshole. Justin's on my sky and winning the race. JP does great as his cherry.